0: You may have heard the term food insecurity, but what is it? In fact, it is another name for poverty. It's a painful choice some people have to make between paying the rent or the electricity bill or buying food. Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. According to the National Center for Health Statistics of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Food insecurity affects millions of Americans, including many lower-income families with children. In their recent report, the CDC defines food insecurity as the limited or uncertain availability of safe and nutritionally adequate foods. Those experiencing food insecurity often have to skip meals because there isn't enough money for food. They may also spend their food dollars on lower-priced items that are shelf-stable but lacking in nutrition. Fresh produce is generally out of reach. Children and food-insecure families often get most of their nutrition from meals at school. Food stamps called SNAP and food pantries provide some help. SNAP stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program and is run by the federal government. My guest, Alex Mace, and the Sustainable Food Center, which is where he works, have a mission to help people using SNAP gain access to fresh produce and, at the same time, to promote local farmers and food producers. Alex is Food Access Manager at the Sustainable Food Center in Austin, Texas. He works at expanding the Sustainable Food Center's Double Up SNAP Incentive Program, which doubles the amount of benefits that individuals and families can spend on local fruits and vegetables. So we're talking about the many people all over the U.S. who don't have access to fresh, healthy food and why this is a problem. The Sustainable Food Center in Austin works in this area concerning food deserts, food access, and food insecurity. So I wanted to begin by finding out what some of these terms mean. So let's start with food insecurity. What is food insecurity?
1: Yeah. So a uh, great place to start with this. Um, so the definition of food insecurity has really evolved and expanded over the past couple of decades, but in a general sense, it's defined as a lack of consistent access to enough food for every person in a household to live an active, healthy life. And there's really uh, three broad dimensions to that. Um, that w- those would be the availability of food, uh, access to food, and the utilization. And availability r- refers to like the production and distribution of the food. So like our agricultural system and supply chains. Uh, utilization refers to the preparation of the food, the cultural relevance, and Nutritional benefits of the food. Uh, And then access uh, refers to the ability to obtain the food in both a geographic and an economic sense. And there's sort of a fourth layer to that, which is the stability of these dimensions over time. Um, So some households could experience food insecurity for only a brief period of time, or it could be more chronic where it's kind of quite often um, someone could be food insecure.
0: And and what is a food desert?
1: So uh, a food desert uh, refers to a neighborhood or census tract or some geographic area with limited access to affordable, nutritious food options.
0: And, and what is food access?
1: So food access... Uh, refers to the ability to attain food, uh, both geographically and economically. And so when we talk about food insecurity in the United States, usually we're talking about food access. Um, So look, uh, what is an individual or household's uh, ability to afford food and how far do they have to go to obtain that food? And so food deserts tend to be neighborhoods that would have uh, very limited options for nutritious foods. Um, Someone who lives in a food desert might have to travel further to be able to purchase fruits and vegetables as opposed to someone who doesn't live in a food desert. or if there are fruits and vegetables available in a food desert, they would come at a more premium cost than what someone might pay in, at uh, a grocery store. So, um, and it's, uh, food access is inherently related to uh, socioeconomic inequalities. You know, wherever you would find uh, poverty, Generally, you'll find food insecurity or issues of food access. Um, and what's really, I guess, important for a lot of people to understand about food access is there's there tends to be a, a misconception of choice when it comes to purchasing or just making decisions about food and diet uh, because we live in a country of so much abundance. Um, there tends to be this belief that anyone can eat healthy, healthy if they just chose to do it, um, or maybe they might lack the knowledge to do so, and so they just need more education. But really, that you know, as we've experienced, uh, you know, working in this field, that's that's not really the case. Um, you know, most families inherently want to eat well to feed their families well and they usually know how to do it but they 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 simply can't because you know their time and their resources are very limited and so every decision that has an associated cost to it kind of comes down to convenience and survival Um, so calorie for calorie healthier foods tend to be more expensive um and so these foods often are those to first be cut from, you know, the food budget.
0: You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Alex Mace, who is a food access manager at the Sustainable Food Center in Austin. And uh, we're talking about access to good, healthy food. Um, So which uh, populations of people are usually affected by food insecurity?
1: Yeah, uh, the populations affected by low food access tend to be the same that are affected by uh, issues of poverty. So, um, you know, lower income families, uh, you know, with disproportionately skews towards uh, minority groups, um, black and Hispanic populations. You know, but then there's also, you know, hunger and food insecurity tends to be high among seniors, Uh, you know, college students, you know, that's that one's kind of tricky um, because, you know, while it's very prevalent amongst college students, you know, how you define a college student or keep not include them in other groups.
0: So you're saying they may be in like an overlapping group?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, um, the average age of college students or like uh, the average age at which college students are starting to enroll has been increasing. So, you know, at one time it was 18. Now it's more around 21. People are going to college at later points in their life. So some of them might already have children. So they might be counted in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Do they work? Do they don't work? You know, are they scholarships? Are they on financial aid?
0: Are there particular rates uh, that we can look at or talk about in terms of uh, which groups?
1: So uh, the USDA's latest uh, household food insecurity report was done in 2019. Um, And so this estimated that around 35 million people in the United States uh, lived or experience food insecurity at some point during the year. And that 35 million includes 11 million children as well. Um, And so that ranges from occasionally food insecure to often food insecure. Um, But the Feeding America did uh, more recent estimates um, on, you know, 2020 and 2021 and how uh, the pandemic impacted this. So uh, the 2019 rates were actually the lowest rates for food insecurity
0: uh, in
1: the U.S. in almost 20 years. But then, you know, with the impacts of the pandemic, uh, you know, it went, the projected rate jumped up to 52 million uh, in 2020, which included 15 million children experiencing food insecurity, um, which is about one in five children uh, in The United States. Uh, Fortunately, that has come down a bit uh, as Feeding America has estimated that, you know, in 2021, they're projecting more around 42 million or 13 million children. And households with children tend to have the highest rates of food insecurity, especially those households with a single parent.
0: You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm talking today with Alex Mace, Food Access Manager at the Sustainable Food Center, uh, and we're talking about uh, issues around food access. Um, so one of the things that people can do uh, if they're uh, in this uh, situation is to get food stamps or what's called SNAP. Can you explain what that is?
1: Yeah. So SNAP is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. It's uh, USDA-run federal benefit program uh, for families that are at or below the federal poverty line, um, which is determined by the size of the household and monthly income for the entire household. And uh, it dates back to the Depression era, um, when people were quite literally given stamps uh, to purchase food.
0: Okay. Um. <laughs> yep. Okay. And and people have to apply for this. You have to go somewhere and and right. make an app- uh, uh, application for it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then another program is WIC or W I C. What is what is that?
1: Yeah, so that is uh, another supplemental nutrition program, but specifically for women, infants, and children. Uh, So to qualify for WIC, uh, a person would have to be either a pregnant, postpartum, or breastfeeding mother, or in their children from under five years old. Uh, So an infant would be considered you know, zero to one years old, and then children are between one and five. And it works a bit different from SNAP. Um, So it provides, it's a monthly benefit, but it's divided into certain food groups. Uh, So they get specific amounts of benefits for bread or milk uh, or formula um, or fruits and vegetables. Um, Those benefits... expire at the end of the month so if they don't spend it all in that month they do they don't roll over whereas with snap it does you know if somebody doesn't use it all it'll just roll over into the next month Um, and only certain brands of food are eligible Uh, generally it's the cheapest option that would be available Um, so there's more limited choice on that Um, and Fruits and vegetables actually weren't included in WIC packages until I think 2008. I, I might have my year wrong on that, but um, so fruits and vegetables are kind of a relatively new addition to uh, WIC benefits. Um, but the I guess the biggest difference is the amount that is provided, um, whereas a average SNAP household would get between three to $400 per month for food. WIC benefits tend to be about, for fruits and vegetables, it would be 9 to $11 per person per month. Um, wow. So it's <laughs> a very small amount.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and can a person have both? Or? Yes. Yeah, okay. they can.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And do all stores, all grocery stores, accept SNAP and WIC? Uh, most accept SNAP.
1: Um, yeah, there are very few grocery stores that don't accept SNAP. Um, even many gas stations and convenience stores except SNAP as well. Um, but not WIC, uh, because WIC, you know, only certain brands of products are eligible for WIC, you know, s- more high-end grocery stores like Whole Foods or Wheatsville they wouldn't even carry those products. So, um, okay. yeah,
0: you're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm talking with Alex Mace, Food Access Manager at the Sustainable Food Center. Um, and uh, let's see, we were talking about uh, the number of children in the U.S. that are affected by uh, food insecurity. If if people are using food stamps uh, or, or WIC and they run out or, I don't know, for some reason they don't get it, what mm-hmm. what options do they have?
1: So this is where some we would get into uh what's referred to as emergency food. Uh so the food that a food bank distributes, um like uh the Central Texas food bank here in Austin, they do a lot of uh like food donation drives um like all around the city. Uh or food pantries um, you know, provide a lot of emergency food. And you know, we've actually seen in the research that those resources are accessed the most towards the end of the month when mm. people's food stamps tend to run out. Um, also uh, school lunch programs um, tend to fill that gap for a lot of families and children.
0: Are there reasons why there are fewer supermarkets in low income neighborhoods?
1: You know, that's like a really great question and I really don't think it gets asked enough Um you know we could definitely identify that that's a problem and like what consequences there are to it but like why that is you know i guess the best way to answer that is you know it's for the same reason that there's more coffee shops in higher income neighborhoods it's you know it's the way that it's capitalism uh it's in our food system is almost exclusively privatized. So the businesses that are selling the food or producing the food, you know, they want to be in neighborhoods that are going to be able to sustain them. Um, and lower-income neighborhoods just don't have the same ability to do that.
0: In some neighborhoods, poorer neighborhoods, the the local uh, dollar store or something like that becomes, in effect, the neighbor. I mean, the supermarket because they carry Certain food items which aren't particularly healthy and not fresh, but um, yeah. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm speaking with Alex Mace, Food Access Manager for the Sustainable food center. So uh, let's talk about what does the sustainable food center do in terms of making good food accessible to people who are food insecure? Uh, now, does it matter what kinds of fruits and vegetables are made available? Because if it's if it's something that a person has never eaten before, never saw before, they don't know what to do with it, you know, how does that work?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's cultural relevance is a big factor, you know, of food security and, and health. Um, right. So, I mean, we encourage farmers to, like, grow, you know, culturally traditional foods, uh, fruits and vegetables to kind of create those options. Um, I mean, we have pretty diverse farmer group that comes to SFC farmers, farmers markets as well. And some of them will grow, you know, things that <laughs> you're more, I guess, average American may not have much interest in, but, you know, someone who might be uh, an immigrant to the country You know would have more knowledge with what to do with that food right Um, and you know just having that option available to them at the market can you know they'll want to come back time and time again because they know they can get that there um so yeah and i mean i know i'm just kind of speaking from personal experience like if i don't if i don't know how to prepare something i consider myself an adventurous food eater but you know, if I don't know how to prepare something, I'm going to be really hesitant to buy it in right. the first place. So. Right,
0: exactly. Yeah. And and also, are they are they given, are the people who come to the market given any uh, ideas on how to prepare stuff that they may not have eaten before? Yeah,
1: uh, at the Double Up Food Box booth uh, at the farmer's market, we usually have some recipes, recipe cards that we'll give out um, that relate to... The season as well, what would be seasonally available? Um, we haven't started doing recipe samplings again, uh, we stopped that you know at the onset of the right. pandemic. Right. Um, but yeah, we would do that as well if we would, you know, uh, we used to have a taste the place, is what it was called, it was just like a separate booth we would set up at the markets. and the market staff would collect ingredients from, you know, some of the different vendors and like just prepare a few things and give out samples, the, you know, encourage people to try new things, try different products at the market. Um, and then of course, we always have the happy kitchen program, um, which provides that, uh, you know, educational side of things. If someone doesn't really know how to prepare a lot of, you know, nutritious foods, um, You know a lot of those i've actually gone virtual now so there isn't you know the need to be able to come to a class in person you know those are more widely available Um, and those really try to capture the like cultural relevant side of things affordability of the food you know um, making large batches of food uh, so it can become multiple meals kind of bringing in a bit of that strategy to food access as well.
0: If, if people listening wanted to do something to help, what could they do? Uh,
1: well, I mean, first and foremost, they can visit the markets each weekend, you know, uh, shop local, join a CSA, support local agriculture. Um, you know, that's, I would say the number one and most convenient yeah. way for uh, a lot yeah. of people to really get involved. Um, yeah. They're looking to do a bit more, Um, you know, they can go to SustainableFoodCenter.org and visit the Get Involved page. Um, And then, uh, you know, really, I think the biggest thing that people can do is just to keep learning about the issue of food access and food insecurity and, you know, just have that awareness of, you know, the inequities of our food system.
0: Join people like Alex who are doing something to make our food system more equitable by helping people who usually can't access fresh produce. Wherever you live, there is a food pantry in your area, or perhaps a place like the Sustainable Food Center in Austin, Texas. Thanks so much for listening. Please tell people you know about this podcast. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth your source for sustainable living news.